Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Lorenzo De Palano. He is vice president at Turning Point Brands. We're going to find out a little bit about what they're doing with cannabis and cannabis-related products and companies. I think this whole aspect of branding and marketing is just huge in the future of cannabis. You know, as we grow and shape this industry, all these new consumers, uh, cannabis users coming in, you know, curious about different products, different ways in which you can use cannabis. It's such a diverse space. Brands are going to be key to helping customers uh, navigate the product mix and what they can interact with and and why. And uh, I think companies that really focus on branding are going to... well, all the companies are going to need to focus on brandings. Those that do strategically are going to see, I think, the most success as cannabis continues to grow and scale. So it's an exciting topic, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. With that, Lorenzo, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Bruce. I appreciate it. Yeah. So before we kind of dig into some of the work you're doing, some of the investments you're making, and, and the brands that you're working with, give us a little background. What was your professional experience? How did you get into cannabis? Give us the story. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a very non-circuitous route that myself and my partners took. We basically all started out as entrepreneurs. And, you know, in college, we actually started a company called uh, Solace Technologies. Uh, Before that, I was 
working more so in branding and marketing and um, would work with a lot of different companies in a lot of different capacities, whether it was market research, brand development and ideation. And we really focused and worked with a lot of startups. So it gave an incredible lens into how different startups operated and what they were doing right. And also, frankly, what they were doing wrong. And so that was incredible. And so ultimately what happened was, is we ended up starting vape manufacturing business in 2015 that was called Solace Technologies. And we scaled that up over the following subsequent three years to doing about like we, we got to a point where we we're doing about one to two million a month in revenue and you know roughly on 40 percent profit margins and so it was a very very lucrative operation and very very lean operation we never raised any money either so that was really nice. exciting um and so yeah i mean we just kind of reached a point i think in that business where the industry was kind of changing it was evolving there were a lot of investments that were going to be required you know in the tens of millions of dollars for fda applications and so what we decided to do is we decided to uh sell the business to turning point brands and the reason why we chose turning point brands was because it was this company that had these great brands you know it, it had it owns stokers it owns zigzag which is you know a 150 year old brand and frankly yeah. in my opinion iconic you know even though we're not directly a cannabis accessory there is a lot of people that may you know find some cross-pollination there and so so it was really interesting opportunity and so we ended up you know taking over basically their marketing and a lot of their marketing and new product development division and so what we really focused on at turning point brands and what we do now is we work you know and run the new x ventures divisions which is focused on primarily the development of new products in the active ingredient space whether that's CBD, whether it's uh, nutraceuticals, whether it's evolving the portfolio of products for ZigZag, you know, to also kind of developing new ideas and ways of bringing those brands to life. And so it's, it's been really an incredible experience, you know, going from entrepreneur to kind of corporate corporate individual now right yeah, <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit of a different world but down to the dark side <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> for now that that seems to be the case and, and so it's it's exciting though because obviously you're dealing with a way bigger organism you know our yeah. operation we always kept a lean like sub 20 people 20 25 people now you know we're in a company with you know i think it's now 500 people and hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and so finding ways to enact growth in that kind of environment is really exciting and especially having the opportunity to do that with a brand like zigzag with you know all these different new growth levers we're using is is really awesome and so i don't know if that's kind of a a long-winded answer to your question no that's fine no no, that's good and i'm you know i think it's interesting when when people are coming in to cannabis or cannabis related kind of areas that haven't been in cannabis or, or from other areas and as as they kind of start doing business and they get to know the cannabis space, I'm always curious, like, what have you noticed that's, you know, similar? What's different? What are the uh, challenges you've had, you know, working with brands that relate to the cannabis space or as, you, as you've kind of looked at the cannabis space as being a potential market or um, uh, related market to what you're doing? What are the things that you've noticed around cannabis that's similar or different than other industries? So I think I think the interesting thing about cannabis is that in many ways you're dealing with a commodity, right? And mm-hmm. you know there's all different types of variations of quality with different commodities, right? I mean, most people like if you look at oil, they wouldn't know that like Arab light is the premium premium form of petrol or oil in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have like your different forms of crude that are perhaps of a lower quality and, and can de- deteriorate your engine at a faster pace. And so similar to that, I think cannabis many people are kind of in this, we're in this weird place where it's a new market. And so there's all these massive evaluations getting applied to, frankly, very unprofitable businesses. <laughs> yeah. And so I think the really interesting dynamic is to see how a commodity market, which is currently getting valued, you know, getting valuations in, in kind of the tech sector realm, 
yeah. is going to be able to break and, and develop in something that's very profitable. And I, I think there's a lot of MSOs out there that, you know, are probably operating in a very cash flow negative territory. But then simultaneously, there are some really, really smart operators out there that are operating with, you know, a real strong focus on profitability and long-term sustainability. And, you know, I think that the real interesting dynamic is going to play out in about three three to four years. I think, you know, you have this pending talk of federal legalization, which is going to have to play out and we'll see how that develops and whether that's actually going to change the dynamic at a state level, you mm-hmm. know, because I think there's, there's a lot of people talking about federal legalization, but they're not really talking about how is that going to impact state level restrictions, because obviously in any other industry, your state level restrictions still apply in many cases. You yeah. know, if, if a state like Florida has certain rules and regulations around a category of products, irrespective of federal legalization, that doesn't make all of a sudden state legislation void, right? So, so it's going to be really interesting to see how these companies are able to break out of this shell and actually become, you know, cash flow positive. And I think that's one of the benefits of Turning Point Brands is that, you know, we're a company that last year alone, you know, in 2020, we did $132 million with with ZigZag, right? Mm-hmm. And we had, we posted, I think, 20% growth, it was, don't quote me on these numbers, 20% growth year over <laughs> yeah. year on the brand. And so, so that's really awesome, because we get to have all this great cash flow, which we can then use to kind of wait out the storm, and slowly but surely make, you know, strategic investments in different operators that we could see a long-term relationship building towards the cannabis space in, right? And so that's kind of the exciting thing is kind of looking at it from that lens. Yeah. I guess how, I mean, I guess what's the kind of the investment focus thesis for Turning Point and, and how do you see cannabis? Is this just one, is this a main focus? Is it just one of many markets that you see opportunities in? Give us a little kind of context for the business. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as a company right now, we really can't make investments in the cannabis sector directly because obviously we're a publicly traded company and so there there's restrictions to doing so and we 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 adhere to all compliances and and regulations in that territory that being said we can make investments in companies around the flower right so for example like we recently invested you know and and took a stake in dosist into their cbd business right and so you know that's a great brand i think especially in southern california they they have a great reputation especially with early people that are just you know adopting the product Mm -hmm. um and so kind of finding ways to expand to a point put place yourself in the position where upon a federal legalization event we can basically flip the switch and take stakes in a bunch of strategic brands. That's really where we see our focus going. So for example, like where a lot of companies right now are focused on, you know, getting and obtaining cultivation licenses and distribution licenses and retail licenses, our real focus is we're going to go after the brands. And the logic behind that's, you know, quite simple, actually. It's that, you know, if you look at any market when it just starts out, everybody's focusing on, you know, the the land on which, you know, mm-hmm. the products are sold, right? And then once the problem with that kind of thinking, I think, which is really predominant in the cannabis space is there's only going to be more and more licenses that are going to be issued in a lot of different states, right? Like in California, you're going to have, you know, probably a thousand more licenses in the next five years, right? And so yeah. your competition as a retailer or a cultivator is only going to increase. And so what's going to happen is these stores are going to reach a point where they're going to need to differentiate themselves from other stores. And because they're selling, frankly, a commodity that's no different from alcohol or tobacco or a lot of these other products, the real key point of differentiation is going to be quality brands and quality products. And so that's where Turning Point, you know, Turning Point Brands, we're really focused on finding great companies and great brands Mm -hmm. rather than looking at a lot of the minutia regarding licenses and things with respect to specific states, right? And so that kind of lends a little bit of a lens into how we're thinking about it is we're trying to focus on the brands because that's what we are. We're a brand-focused company um, and we own a lot of brands. And so that's how we see ourselves developing within the space. Yeah. And when you you take an investment or you get involved with a brand, what are you looking to do? Are you 
are you basically just looking to place capital and look for future returns? Are you actually working with them strategically? Give us a sense of the relationship and what what you actually do with the brand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I can only speak from experience, right? So one of the awesome things about Turning Point as a company, Apple Solace, they acquired our company in 2019. And a lot of times I think in these acquisition processes, it's very tough to get two cultures to blend together. But the good thing about the company is, is you know, there's always been a great dynamic where everybody kind of gives each other enough space to operate. And I think that as we acquire more brands, that's really going to be the focus is, you know, you have great entrepreneurs that build great companies. And most of the times, if they're, you know, trying to liquidate a percentage of their company or get an investment, what great operator is typically looking for is the ability to grow their business while not having to deal with the headache of having all their funds and all their personal wealth invested in that business. And so finding ways to give strategic partners, you know, like some kind of partial liquidation event or complete liquidation event will then, which will then hopefully enable them to kind of think clearly and then focus on solely growing the business. That's really what excites me, right? Because I think that that's where you get the most value out of the human capital. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people, when they acquire businesses, they look at it as a purely financial transaction. And I yeah. think that's a huge mistake because at the end of the day, a company is just a group of people who come together and like share a common imagined reality. And then they push towards that imagined reality and either something happens or it doesn't. Right. Yeah. But um, if they all kind of walk away or if they lose their enthusiasm, then you run into some issues. And I think that's where, you know, I think it starts with the people and then that drives the business either up or down typically. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've just seen it so many times that, you know, an acquisition takes place and then they lose, they lose the leaders, they lose the people that were driving the business. And then the, you know, then the business is not that valuable or just doesn't perform nearly as well as it. As right. It did, exa- so, exa- yeah. Exactly. And I think what was Jack Welch who said that, you know, at one point GE was acquiring, you know, a company every day and, and uh-huh. like, they just totally like they, they based it all on finances and, he said yeah. how that created how many disastrous ripple effects or something like that. Yeah. So tell us about the zigzag story because you mentioned at the beginning, and I know that that was it's an interesting brand because while it's not you know specifically cannabis, it certainly is well known in the cannabis space, well used in the cannabis space. Tell us a little bit about how you know how you worked with them, what you've done, like what what is the like what's what are the sort of implementations and things that you've helped with that brand? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, our real focus when we when we came in in January of 2020, our focus was how do we grab this 150-year-old brand mm-hmm. and make it relevant, right? I mean, as of right now, you know, a lot of there's a lot of different estimates out there, but most estimates show that Zigzag maintains, you know, a 50% plus market share in most C stores, which, yeah. you know, contrary to popular belief, you walk into a head shop or a tobacco store and you'll see the wall just covered with other brands, right? Yeah. And so that's created this kind of, there's kind of like this uh, cognitive disassociation where people think like, you know, some people think Zigzag kind of like this sleepy brand. And so when we came in, we said, look, how can we, how can we really reinvigorate this brand and get it to do something interesting? And so the first thing we really did is we recognized that there was really no online or e-commerce presence. And we recognized that the brand had kind of, you know, it was just kind of being neglected for a long time. And, you know, in all honesty, there's yeah. a lot of reasons for that. It's just a very strong cash flow business and it doesn't really need a lot of investment. But what we really did is we said, okay, let's let's turn on these e-commerce channels and see what they can do. And so we built out a first ever B2B platform where, you know, head shops, dispensaries, tobacco stores, convenience stores could all purchase directly their products from a very easy to use platform. And the second thing we did is we built a B2C platform, which consisted of a number of different online channels. The convenient and funny part of the whole thing was that we built these websites in January and February of 2020 and launched them all in February of 2020, having no idea that COVID <laughs> would hit in March. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
And so we kind of struck gold a little bit there and got pretty lucky in that we stood these websites up. It was a big rush. We were like, oh, we were really excited and, and the enthusiasm to get these platforms up ultimately ended up serving us really well throughout COVID for better or worse, because while most of our competitors, you know, were dealing with tons of supply chain issues or, you know, most of their customers weren't going and picking up from traditional channels, yeah. we basically got a lot of those customers to pick up products directly from us and built a massive database of consumer yeah. information and customer profiles. And so that was really an incredible opportunity because, you know, a lot of the growth that came from, you know, 2020 was the result of us bringing a lot of this brand online. And so between that and also working with a lot of different marketing channels, which the company had not worked with prior, really enabled us to build a lot of relationships within and without of the within and without of the new categories conventional marketing means. Yeah. And so I don't know if that kind of adds any clarity there, but that was probably the most crazy moment we had in 2020 because it led to a lot of the growth of the brand. I love it. Like when you take a brand that uh, is not necessarily cannabis specific, but obviously has a lot of, you know, cannabis users. I mean, how do you approach that? Do you just are you trying to find channels specifically into the cannabis market? Do you just generally focus on growing the business and all channels and knowing that that's going to sort of the rising tide will rise all of your markets? Or how do you see cannabis as strategically as as one of your options? Well, I think I think it's a really interesting question. And I think that in reality, like you have a lot of these you have this dynamic where you want to play and adhere to all the the rules and you don't want to push yourself too far into one category or direction that would effectively compromise some of your audience. And so whereas like a lot of the competing brands we deal with, they really go heavily into marketing towards cannabis consumers. Mm -hmm. They really focus on, you know, the high frequency user, which frankly, you know, to their credit consists of most of the current market, right? Mm -hmm. We really focus on the everyday people, right? So right now, like, we're launching Zigzag Studio. And like Zigzag Studio is basically going to be an omnichannel network of media that is going to basically like have we're gonna partner with musicians and we're gonna be partnering with, you know, chefs and great writers. And the focus of Zigzag Studio is to basically create content around these great creatives and highlight the fact that perhaps maybe or maybe not they got at some point in their time or their life inspired you through using a zigzag product, right? Mm -hmm. And so so that's kind of like the our focus, whereas a lot of people are kind of going for these more conventional tropes of, oh, okay, we need a we need a market towards, you know, hip hop and we need to go towards, you know, like, you know, rap music because that's what was, you know, what yeah. popularized a lot of these brands. We're saying, well, why don't we take a wider net and approach and appeal to a wider group of people and and creatives and and I think that that's really the exciting thing about what we're working on is we're trying to kind of pave a new road where it's like the zigzag brand can appeal to a really wide group of people whether they like EDM music or house music or rap music or country music, it, it can kind of just cross-pollinate across all those sections, right? And all those different yeah. audiences. And I think that's really the focus. And so that's kind of what we're building out right now with ZigZag Studio is this omnichannel media platform where we can really, you know, focus and, and develop the brand and create a lot of content around the brand. And I think yeah. that's kind of what we see as a really interesting development in 2021. And is this, I mean, I imagine some of this is time frame, right? Like some of this is short-term gains versus long-term gains and kind of making some decisions on investment and what your horizon looks like. I mean, how, I guess, how do you approach that, you know, kind of that math in terms of, well, you know, setting up a studio, producing the content, getting it out there. I mean, you know, that doesn't happen in 30 days. I guess, how do you look at 
kind of the time frame for these investments, the time frame for the initiatives, and then uh, as well, how does that play into kind of some of the longer term things that are happening in cannabis? Give us kind of the, the strategic view of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think right now, the real focus was we used 2020 as, you know, kind of putting our entrepreneur hats on. Before we really pushed to develop a lot of these marketing campaigns, the first thing that was our priority was building revenue, right? And so Mm -hmm. 2020 was focused around proving that, you know, through a small investment, you can generate substantial results. And I think, you know, that the proof is in the pudding, you know, we started working on ZigZag in the beginning of 2020, we've seen 20% growth in the brand, you know, by the end of the year over the prior year. And so now we have kind of leverage to say, hey, like, you know, especially with public markets, we have fiduciary responsibilities to investors and shareholders. And so now there's a really strong argument and an appetite to say, hey, well, you know, we've got this growth, what happens if we put this on steroids? And so I think that, while 2020 was focused on saying, let's take a really hard look at the numbers and make you know a really lightweight solution, 2021 is really an investment year for us where we say, yeah. okay, let's invest in this brand and let's spend the whole year just investing in great you know, branding, great quality content, great things that are going to build a, a new audience for us. And so that's really the focus, right? It's just looking at it like that for 2021. And then 2022, 2023, we can then look back and say, okay, well, did we make the right decisions? Did we not? And I think that's the benefit of how we operate as a company is and as a team, you know, is is we really focus on long term. You know, the quarters, you know, I think it's very easy to get distracted by the quarterly returns and yeah. and what what every quarter in the quarterly expectation is, especially, you know, in a publicly traded company. And that's probably been the most interesting challenge of for our team is like how do you, you know, we used to always think of things in two, three year timelines. Um, but you know, obviously as a publicly traded company, you have to really focus on things on a quarterly basis while also trying to move this ship towards a long-term destination. Yeah. And so it's really exciting. It's it's really exciting. It's daunting and it's crazy, <laughs> but you know, you kind of you find your way, right? But I think with us, our focus is look, we've got these great gains from 2020. Um, now we got to sustain and grow those gains. And the only way to do that is to start focusing on that long-term vision. You know, it's kind of like we're like a the best way I like to imagine it is it's like, you know, when you have a rocket ship and there's the different fuselages that break off as it penetrates through the atmosphere and goes into the thermosphere in space. Uh-huh. It's kind of like that, right? We've just let go of one of our uh, one of our thrusters and now we just we got to get that second one activated. So, stage two needs you know, to get going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stage two needs to get going and then stage three and then hopefully we make it into space and we're just, you know, hanging out and floating there. I don't know what we do at that point, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> go to Mars. Go to yeah. Yeah, then we go. Then we go to Mars. That seems like all the rage nowadays, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm curious, just your own kind of personal experience, having having been in a very kind of early, scrappy, you know, entrepreneurial startup mode, and now you know part of a larger public company. Like, what are the things? What are the pros and cons of each? What are the things that you've had kind of had to adjust to and and learn as you've you know operated in both environments? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think like the biggest difference is, you know, when you're in a startup, your goal and your objective is to make highly effective decisions that have substantial consequences. And effectively, in any given day, you have one or two decisions that you have to make that has substantial consequences for your entire enterprise. With a larger organization, there's a lot more people trying to make those decisions and that have to be a part of those decisions. And so finding ways, you know, the real the real challenge with a large organization, larger organization is getting all these people together in a room and getting them all to share that same novel idea or that same mission and moving the ball forward. Right. And so I think communication is probably the biggest, you know, the biggest unique challenge and obstacle within a large organization. And I think that's prevalent in all organizations. Right. And so, you know, that's I think the biggest difference is, you know, small organizations you know, you just have to make the effective decision on your own. 
And the consequences are yours alone to bear. Whereas in a large organization, you have to make the decisions as a team and as a group, and the consequences are shared by a wide group of people. And so everybody needs to be a part of those decisions. But simultaneously, those decisions impact a lot more people. And so it's really interesting. And I think that's kind of the biggest challenge is, you know, you know, I know I've had to myself get used to explaining myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I know my, my co-founders feel the same way, right? And, th- and I think that's that's important, right? It's an important developmental objective to share and, and, you know, share a vision and move it forward as a broader organization. Um, but it was definitely something that required a lot of a lot of a, a major shift in our psyche, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I always find that, you know, the, the challenge with leadership is that as, as you move up or as you change context, you know, you have to you have to adjust and you have to flex. And oftentimes that means, you know, letting go of things that have served you very, very well in previous contexts and, and potentially learning new things that you're not as not as comfortable, not as confident in, but are going to be critical to to the next stage of success. So, you know, as you go through those booster rockets, right? It's like, a, it's a different game, all right? And you got to learn how to play the new game. Exactly. And it's like the controls change as well. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the whole, you know, control system that you have, your whole dashboard just, just gets more complicated and shifts. And so yeah. I completely agree. I mean, and that's, that's kind of the fun of it, you know, as well, I mm-hmm. think is that's what makes it exciting is there's almost like almost levels to a video game. And like, you know, as you unlock different levels, they get more complicated and, you know, the boss battles get more challenging, <laughs> whatever <laughs> oh, yeah. those might be, revenue targets, I don't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about the brands a little bit, because I, you mentioned a few. Obviously, you're working with ZigZag. You mentioned uh, Dosis. What, what's out there that either you're working with or that you're thinking of working with or that you just admire? I mean, I'm, uh, this whole brand space in cannabis is so kind of nascent that I'm, I'm curious to see people's take on, you know, where you see things working, what, what do you see out there that's particularly interesting or, or what companies are doing things well, and maybe what's not so well? What's, what's your take? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think right now we really, you know, our, our two brands that we really focus on in the space is ZigZag as well as NuX CBD and NuX Nutra. Okay. Um, those are our own like proprietary brands that we fully own outright. Mm-hmm. Um, and for New X CBD, for example, we just launched this nationwide campaign through Connected TV, which was one of the first of, of its kind, where basically we launched our CBD products through a televised ad campaign, which now is airing on platforms like HGTV and, and you know, maybe not Fox News, but probably something like Bloomberg. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's basically like this network of um, different ad spots that we've created to promote the brand. And it's kind of a way to get some nationwide awareness about it. And so that's one of our brands is New X CBD. And, and the focus there is, look, you know, CBD space is, you know, it's, it's no, no surprise that it's a very congested space. Yeah. And so it's really becoming a platform and what we've done is we've managed to successfully carve out a little, you know, it's a pretty little but substantial B2C niche there. And it's going to keep growing steadily and, and surely. And we'll see how that platform develops. But you know, our real focus with our new X platform is to figure out how we can expand it to different active ingredients and how we can really customize solutions to different body types. So one of the really cool things we're doing with new X is we're looking at how different things, for example, these different as snips of your DNA react mm-hmm. with different products and different formulations. And so one of the things we've been doing is working with nutritionists and registered dietitians to basically build out different formulations depending on your predispositions, right? So the, our long-term goal with this project is, you know, you imagine a world where basically you basically fill out a, a survey online and then, you know, you get basically an at-home test kit, which is composed of either, you know, a saliva swab or a blood Mm -hmm. test, depending on how extensive you want to get. 
And based on those results, we can actually build like custom solutions for you and custom formulations of different active ingredient products for you based on your kind of nutritional values and, and the way you're predisp- predisposed to certain things. And so that's kind of really interesting because it's like, you know, I think right now the way the world works is a lot of people there, you know, you go to a store, it's like, oh, take this multivitamin or you go to a dispensary and it's, oh, take this, you know, take this sativa with 20 milligrams of THC in it and it'll work just for everybody else. It all works the same, but every body is different, right? You know, every body yeah, exactly. is composed of a series of single nucleotide polymorphisms and how those react with different active ingredients is really critical, right? Like somebody might drink alcohol and never get hungover and somebody else might get incredibly hungover, right? And so that's all just depending on your genetic makeup. And so we've spent the last 10 months really, you know, working with all these different partners to build out a system whereby, you know, upon like some kind of federal legalization event, we can create active ingredient products that are basically curated in a custom way for each and every individual user. And so that's where we put a lot of our research and development into. And it should be interesting to see how it evolves. To answer the second question you had, which was, I think, regarding different brands out there that are really doing some interesting things. I think there's a lot of really great brands out there. I think, you know, Stizzy and Southern California has done an incredible job at developing itself, you know, into like this household name. And they have such a broad portfolio of products. And I think, you know, kudos to them for being able to you know, kind of blur the line between the conventional recreational user and the high frequency user. I think from an MSO standpoint, I think TrueLeave, what Kim Rivers did over there at TrueLeave in Florida is also incredible. I mean, she basically built out one of the most efficient operations I've at least seen to date in the cannabis space. And, you know, and frankly, it dealt with a lot of criticism early on from a lot of other yeah. people who said, you know, they weren't spreading a net wide enough. And I think that you know, what she did where she focused on one state and they developed their business from one state is, is really, really impressive. And so, you know, I think that's another brand that that I think, you know, even though it's not necessarily specifically a product brand, it's mm-hmm. still a brand nonetheless, you know, from a retail standpoint, really, really awesome stuff there. And so there's a lot of a lot of respect out there for those different companies that are just very efficient operators because, you know, you know, I, I, my opinion's a little biased, but as an entrepreneur, <laughs> like I, I do take an appreciation for people that can run a healthy, profitable company because it's just so damn hard, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, if it, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, like, uh, you mentioned some of the, you know, the change in federal laws and descheduling of cannabis as being kind of this future event that everyone's kind of planning for or, or you know, trying to figure out how they're going to strategize against. I mean, if I give you a magic wand and you were going to change one thing in the cannabis industry right now, like, what would it be and why? Like, what do you, what do you see that's really either holding back cannabis or, or making cannabis business difficult? And, you know, if you, if you could make a change, that would be the change you would make in short term. I think, I mean, it's complex because obviously, you know, every state's different, but I would yeah. say that I think the first thing that needs to probably go and is just not conducive to states or the federal government in any capacity is a lot of the banking restrictions. I think the fact that a lot of these companies cannot take or draw lines of credit, yet they're being taxed by their respective states, is not only dangerous for the individuals running the businesses, because now they're dealing with a bunch of cash on hand in many cases, Mm -hmm. but it's also dangerous for the states because now you have all this cash that's not being effectively, that has no way of being effectively recorded, you know, in some kind of double ledger, right? In some kind of standard, you know, double ledger. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's really, really challenging. And so I think that that just should go immediately. And, and I think there's, you know, obviously, I think the SAFE Act is coming through, hopefully, and we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll but, see. 
Yeah, well, we'll see. But it's kind of like this. It doesn't make any sense, right, why it's uh, such a complicated and expensive space. And I think that also a lot of states are probably going to have to start reducing some of their taxes. And I, and I think California's perfect example of that is, you know, California has had done a very poor job on the regulation, I think, of, of cannabis in, in the sense that, you know, they've released all these licenses and issued all, this license, all these licenses, but then they haven't effectively, and they're taxing people that have those licenses. So these good operators are paying all this money to run their business in an efficient and effective way, yet those same operators are being compromised by all the black market product that's out there. And there's effectively very little to no regulation or enforcement against black market product, which yeah. creates a wide host of issues that, you know, you know, I saw also in the vaping space where you have all these unregulated products and the good operators are reporting everything to the FDA. They're doing, you know, making all their, sending all their submissions in and the bad actors are basically continuing to produce low quality product for a cheaper price. And there's very little regulation, which makes them effectively win, you know, yeah, in the exactly. competition and yeah. all the good operators Unfair. go out of business. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, that's going to be the real challenge is like once, you know, cannabis is such a commodity that unless there's really effective regulation, it makes it very challenging. And, and furthering that challenge is the fact that you have a lot of these small businesses, right? And, and unlike, you know, a lot of these other industries where you have like a few, you have everything concentrated among a few players, and I'm not advocating for that, but there is a benefit to like states that have 20 to 30 operators over states that have a few thousand. And it just makes it easier for regulators to do their job. And I think that's ultimately like, even though that's not an unpopular viewpoint, that is where a lot of these big markets have to go that deal in commodities, because otherwise you just you're, it's going to be impossible to regulate. Right. Like if every mm -hmm. oil rig was its own enterprise, you know, in its own business, it would be very difficult for the EPA to regulate all of them. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So, so well, or the EPA would be, have to be huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd have yeah. to spend a lot as a federal government to be able to do right. that. Right. Right. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. become impossible. And so just kind of figuring out that balancing act, I think. Yeah. Lorenzo, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Turning Point Brands, what's the best way to get that information? So I would just recommend they go check out our new ZigZag website, which we just launched. So that's www.zigzag.com. And uh, if they want to find me, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search my name and uh, I'll hopefully pop up somewhere awesome. near the top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'll make sure your LinkedIn uh, URL is in the show notes and uh, we'll put the uh, ZigZag URL in there as well so people can get that information. Lorenzo, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Okay, likewise. Thanks a lot, Bruce. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.